If you will turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 20, we're going to go there today. How many of you are tired of hearing about the election? All right, good. I'm going to preach about it for the next few weeks. Can I just be honest with you about something? I'm already off my notes. This is what happens when I'm sick one Sunday and I'm on vacation another. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, I am... (laughs) It's just ugly, folks. It's just stinking ugly. Let's just admit it. But how many of you believe that God is still on the throne? God is able. Amen? He's able. And those are the things we're going to talk about through this and, and, and work through this. I'm not even sure of all the directions the Lord's going to take me in the weeks ahead. But I don't know whether you like to admit it or not. We are at a very critical moment in our nation. Uh, this election is very important, not only for our presidential election, but, but also in other areas, obviously for governor and in other areas as well, uh, even all the way down. How many of us know that even county elections are very important? Amen? It's important to have influence in these areas and to, uh, uh, to minister in this way. Our culture right now has, has had an influx of secularism that says that Christianity and faith has to be removed from politics altogether, and is this attitude that that faith in Christ and you and I, Christians, and Christian beliefs and Christian understandings of what God has said is true, is really like the black plague to this nation. They want to shut up, they want us quieted down, they don't mind us operating in our faith inside these four walls, but when we go out, they don't like us talking about it. I was with Franklin Graham uh, just a few couple weeks ago at our state capitals, me and, me and the ladies, me and several of the ladies from our church went up to pray with Franklin Graham. It was an awesome time. And something he said from that, that day as he was standing there at the podium, he said, when you hear the term progressive, it's a really nice word that means atheist. And he said, there's a lot of people that say, I want to come and, and, and I'm, I'm not really this or that. I'm a progressive. What we have, folks, are progressives that have come into our nation and through our political system have weaved into it this secularism mentality that has separated church and state. You know, I'm sick and tired of hearing about that. What was written by Jefferson to that, uh, to that church, that Baptist church, had nothing to do with a person not being able to operate or lead according to their, their faith. What it was a promise was a saying, listen, a church should not be established by a government. What he's saying there is, is that the government should never establish a national church or a national denomination or something of that nature. He never intended for people to take things where they've taken it today and said that a person who was a Christian, who was voted in, was nominated and voted into office, cannot, cannot, everybody say cannot, cannot govern according to their faith and their convictions. That is absolutely false. If you show me a person who says they're a believer in Jesus Christ and they get nominated and elected into an office and they choose to operate opposite of their, of their faith and their convictions, they're not any more of a Christian than the local stray cat and dog are. You tell me, when, when, when was Jesus ever something other than Himself? When was Jesus ever more concerned about the interest and the ideas of the masses than He was about the truth that was inside of Him? Listen, child of God, there has never been a time like now that we need believers, genuine believers in office, Operating according to their convictions and according to their faith. There is no separation of church and state. It's not wrong to elect somebody who serves Jehovah. It's not wrong for somebody to govern according to their convictions and their faith. Listen, to the, what, about the, what about the atheists that are sprinkled all throughout our government that are pushing their agendas? It's free for them to operate according to their convictions, according to their faith that there is no God. But yet a Christian who steps up in their faith toward God in a nation where there's freedom of religion can't function or act according to their faith. That's absolutely false, folks. Don't believe that nonsense. It's a lie. 
And so what I, what I stand before you today in our nation, we're in the middle of a culture war. We're in the middle of a, a, a culture in our nation that wants to wipe out you and I, wants to silence me, and wants to keep you shut up and make you think that your faith is something that can only be lived by close, behind closed doors. Those of you that are with me on friends with me on Facebook, I posted an article yesterday, and I know how all of us are on social media. If it takes longer than 15 seconds to read, we're not interested. But I encourage you to read this article that I posted yesterday just because it's vitally important. It's from our superintendent, George Wood, explains where we're at, explains what's happening and how we got here. If you do not have Facebook or if you're too lazy to find it on my Facebook page and we're not really media friends, <laughs> there are some printed off out here at the Welcome Center you can pick up on the way out. I encourage you to take that and read it because we are at a place where we are uh, facing a very uh, a major crisis in our nation. Uh, there's a lot of different things. So today and throughout the next several weeks, we're going to address some things politically. And according to this, l- listen, I-, I guess what I need to establish first is that God is not against government, even though government is against God. God is not against government. He's for it. Okay? God doesn't hate the United States government. Even if they have legislated some things that God doesn't agree with, that is outside of God's principles, that's outside of His bounds, God does not hate the United States government. God establishes government. God establishes authorities. According to Romans chapter 13, He establishes the authorities. Paul was telling this to a Roman church that would quickly head into a great persecution and telling them to submit themselves to the authorities because those authorities were established by God. That's hard for me to grasp. We know, though, that it's the truth. He told them that the authorities hold no terror for us unless we are lawbreakers. Yet many Roman Christians were paraded innocently into Colosseums and made spectacles of. Folks, we can't let this change the truth. If God says through His, His ministers and led by the Holy Spirit that we need to honor our authorities because those authorities are established by God, then we cannot live by a footstool principle. Some of you remember me teaching a few years back the difference between throne principles and footstool principles. Heaven is where God's throne is and the earth is His footstool. So often we like to live by lower and lesser important principles rather than by throne room principles. You get it? Make sense? But the throne room principle is, is that we honor our authorities and it says that God establishes the authorities. I don't care how hard that is for you to believe it, you need to believe it. God establishes authorities. In Colossians, Paul reminds them that all things were created by Him, including authorities, both seen and unseen. You know what's funny? is It's easier for us to believe that this universe is held together by gravitational forces from larger masses to smaller masses, and that God established the unseen authority of gravity. We can go, yeah, that's God. We can look at our calendar and see how everything's moving and we can check our time. Right now, if you look at your watch, it's not just that pastor's preaching along, but it's establishing that the earth is rotating. God established those unseen authorities. Amen? You're not going to change them. But we can believe that, but then we, don't, we have a hard time believing that God placed Barack Hussein Obama as the President of the United States. In case you haven't figured it out this morning, I'm going to stretch you a little bit. This is a tough one. Because our political opinions are so powerful. They divide families. Some families can't talk about politics or else there's a fight and somebody's throwing something across the room and somebody leaves mad. Listen, folks. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's a standard. And the expectation is, is that He be the Lord of your life more so than your political opinions. Can I get an amen? He uses God, who is in charge of the governments, 
raises up leaders and establishes leaders and, and, and sets them in place for his purpose and his plan. We know that Israel and Judah, they were sent into exile due to their disobedience to God. It was God that used King Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment on them. And multiple times, I'm reading through the book of Jeremiah right now. I encourage you, before you go vote, uh, read through the book of Jeremiah. Ouch. Why? Because so many times over, God speaking through Jeremiah is telling them, if you will repent, if you will turn, if you will begin to do the things that I've told you to do and obey me, then I will relent from bringing in this enemy to take you captive. But they wouldn't change their stubborn hearts. So many times we look at these things and we say, well, our country's on a bad path. What's wrong? We just keep electing all these idiots into office. Reality is this. God's speaking to His people and He's speaking to His church. When will you repent? When will you turn away? When will you cast your cares upon me? When will you do good to the homeless? When will you do good to the sick and the orphan? When will you do good to the widow? He's asking us that today. Our nation isn't in the condition because of our politicians. Our politicians are a reflection of the condition of our nation. And it's time for the church to wake up. Do you know that he called Nebuchadnezzar, God called Nebuchadnezzar multiple times in the book of Jeremiah, called him my servant. What? A godless king, my servant? Why? Why would God call him my servant? Because God raises up and establishes the authorities. God does that and takes care of those things. Another time, Paul makes reference to Romans 9. When God spoke about Pharaoh in Romans 9, makes a, 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 God spoke about Pharaoh. He says, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Listen and understand this, church. God is still God. Jesus Christ is still King of kings and Lord of lords. He's still on the throne. This election, as important as it is, it doesn't matter. God's going to work His will out and His plan. What you and I need to do is we need to get our hearts right. We need to get our attitudes right. We need to be prayerful. And we need to focus upon Him and allow His power and His glory to be displayed through our lives. Which brings me to what I want to talk to you about today. We are called... To pray for our leaders. Amen. Called to pray for them. First Timothy chapter two says this, verses one through four. I urge then, first of all, that all, that all, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, first for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Can I be honest with you about something I think that we're all guilty of? I'm a pastor. You know that, right? I am a pastor, even though I've been gone two Sundays in a row and that's never happened. Uh, It's hard for me. It's been weird. Um, People come to me. It's an election season. We're facing an election. I've had, and and please, some of you probably have said this to me. Don't take this the wrong way. I respect it. I understand it. and, And I am doing it. One of them is as Pastor, we need to get together and be praying for this election. Which is true. We need to be praying for the election. Amen? Praying God's will. And uh, I have some ministers, local ministers here that I'm going to be praying with here in a week or so. We're going to get together and spend some time praying about it. Uh, I went to Indianapolis and prayed with uh, Franklin Graham and some ladies from our church. Went, uh, we, people said, Pastor, we need to do church-wide prayer. We need to do all this stuff. You want to know what we're a little bit guilty of? The good old church and the good old U.S. of A., I'll tell you. We get all excited leading up to an election because it's the most vital one of all time ever. And we pray like crazy for our candidate. And then when our candidate doesn't get in, we stop praying anything for anybody. And then if our candidate does get in, we still don't even pray for him. Why? Because we've got confidence. Well, that's our, that's our candidate. God's got this. Well, that's, that's God's man. But if it's somebody from a different political party that we don't agree with, then that's not God's man. So we don't pray for them. Folks, listen. 
We are called to be praying for our leaders. We do not have the luxury of choosing whether it's a Democrat, a Republican, an Independent, anybody else. We don't have the luxury of choosing what kind of a leader we have. We are just called to pray for our leaders. That's what we're called to do. Why? So that we can live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. Folks, that's why we pray for our leaders. Not because we support everything they do. Not because we think they're the greatest, smartest, bestest in the whole world. But because God, who wants all men to be saved, would like to give us a peaceful life that we can live in godliness and holiness. So we are to pray for our leaders. I'm going to stretch you a little bit this morning. If you look at Psalm 20, we see a pattern laid out. A prayer, a psalm, but a singing prayer, if you will, for the king. It's laid out in Psalm 20 that will help us understand how we should pray for current leadership and future leadership. Amen? (laughs) This is going to be so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that it's going to be so good. And, and they're going to stone me when it's over. And I'll be, I'll be at home with you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise that being absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord. You all there, Psalm 20? First thing we need to pray for is God's protection over our leaders. Look at verse 1. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress... May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Leadership always brings some form of distress. 100% of the time. I have several young people that have gone into ministry and other things, others that have gotten promotions at work and are moving up into a position. They're excited about their paycheck. And these are the come-to-reality moments that we get to have these conversations. You have to understand that when leadership is involved, you may get paid a little bit more, but you're not going to get paid enough to get rid of all the stress and the issues that you're going to have to deal with. Have you ever seen a picture of a president from the time they took office to the time they left office? (laughs) Leadership. Listen, folks, I I, I don't want, if the Lord said, Bob, throw your name in the hat, I'd have to do it. But I don't want to. Because you get shredded. Folks, you don't understand the stress of being a leader in, whether it be the president, whether it be the governor, whatever branch, whatever level of leadership there is, there is going to be distress. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've, I have been fleshly. I'm human. I'm flesh and blood and bone. And, and uh, I'm capable of thinking horrible thoughts. Some of you, go ahead and judge me. You've thought the same thing. You say, I don't even know what you're talking about, Pastor. Well, when, you're, when your leader does something that's so horribly against God and your standards and everything else, and you pray this prayer, God, get them out of there, remove them at all cost. That's the wrong prayer. I've said it. I'm not proud of it. But I've said it. Anybody else ever heard that said before? Yep. Listen, folks. We live by throne standards, which means God's in control, and we need to pray for their protection. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't agree with, with a lot, probably most, of what our president, our current president has done and said, but I don't wish harm on him. I don't wish harm on his family. Listen, folks, he is a living, breathing human being. His wife is a living, breathing human being. His children are young girls who are trying to, going to try to make a life for themselves. We don't wish harm on them. We wish protection for them. If we are calling ourselves a child of God, we have to understand that the presence of God, the grace of God is within us. I just preached a series on the grace of God, the power and presence of God in our lives. And the overflow of that power and presence in our lives is mercy. We need, as Christians, to extend some mercy toward our leadership. I told you this was going to be hard. 
But I'm not talking about CNN and Fox. I'm not talking about how you feel or you're comfortable with. I'm talking about throne standards. God says, you pray for your leaders. We pray for our leaders. And so we extend some mercy to them, all of them. This is coming from from God in us. Why? Because it's easy to demonize people. We've seen it throughout this campaign, the demonization of one party over another. One, one person is evil, and they're saying the other person is evil. And folks, I don't know that both of them aren't evil. But I'm going to be honest with you. Somebody's going to be president. And somebody needs protection. Somebody needs the mercy of God lived out from the people of God toward them. There's a bigger plan at work. There's a work that God's doing in their lives. This same God that is patient and not willing that any should perish, but all would come to the knowledge of Christ. It's the same God that tells us not to gloat at the fall of our enemies. We have to live His nature out. Amen? Now I told you to make me feel good. You've got to amen a lot today. You've got to amen me a lot. Secondly, we need to pray God's help and influence in their lives. Pray for their protection. We pray for God's help and influence in their lives. Verse 2 says, May He send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. Two things there. The sanctuary where the Spirit and presence of God dwells. Zion is Jerusalem, which is where ultimately the throne of Christ will be someday. It's speaking of the throne and it's speaking of the presence of God. We need to pray for the presence of God and the authority of God to lead them and influence their lives. <laughs> oh, because God knows they need it. So we go through these prayers, you're going to see they're tough. It's hard to pray, but this one's fairly easy to know that we're not praying for godlessness to increase. We're not praying for godless agendas to increase. We're praying for the influence of the Holy Spirit to work in this man's life, this woman's life, this leader's life over our president, over our governors, over our state officials, all of our, over our county officials. Amen. We need the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Let me ask you questions. Let me ask you several questions. Does God place leaders in authority and then ignore them? Absolutely not. Even godless leaders will not be ignored and left alone by God. They will not. And we have a hard time believing that Because right now, people would say, we got two godless uh, options here for president. Folks, can I just be transparent and honest with you for just a second? It frustrates me to no end. You know, people just want your vote. Hillary Clinton, they keep referring to her involvement in the Methodist church when she was a little kid. Why do they tell us that? Because they want Christians to back her. Maybe get some Methodists. But... The evangelical community went off the stinking deep end with Donald Trump. Off the stinking deep end. This man's a Christian. This man's a believer. Hold on a second, fellas. He may have prayed a prayer to get your vote in a private room and to get your support and for you to come up and step up and stand up and say, I'm going to support this man. But until I see fruit, I, why make this the picture of Christianity for the entire world to see. I'm sick of it. Why? Because they want the evangelical vote. Folks, I'm tired of the manipulation. But it doesn't matter who is in office. God can influence them. And I have been praying from the beginning, God, send a prophet. Send a prophet. If it's, if it's Hillary Clinton, send a prophet that she'll listen to. God, if it's Donald Trump, send a prophet that he'll listen to. Because folks, we need the influence of God. Because I, I, I get it. I'm not pleased with either candidate in the presidential race. And I'm probably not going to, none of my beliefs are going to 100% line up with any candidate running for anything. Because last time I checked, Jesus Christ's name was not on the ballot. Okay? 
Get over it. Pray and ask the Spirit to lead you in your vote. And then ask the Spirit to impact and to guide and to lead those who are going to be in leadership. Cry out to God for their protection. Cry out to God on their behalf and allow God to move. Is it possible? Does God leave them there and ignore them? No. Do you believe God still sends prophets? Is it possible to have had a Jeremiah in the White House that has been ignored? Is it possible that the Lord could send an Elijah that can give counsel and wisdom even to a godless leader? Is it possible that the Lord could send an Elisha that can give wisdom and prophetic understanding to a leader that will listen? Is it possible that God can use a donkey to speak to a wayward prophet and a foreign king? Do you believe that God can send an Esther to influence a king for the appropriate time to turn a nation to deliver the Jews? Do you believe that? Is it possible? Then why are we all, woe is me? God is still on the throne. Amen? So we pray for their protection. We pray for godly influence. We pray that God would send a prophet. We pray that God would get involved. We pray that God would move and send help from His Spirit and from His throne. Thirdly, we need to pray that they would know and worship the Lord. Third, verse 3, May He remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May He remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. The greatest thing that we can pray for for our leaders is that they would have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether it's now or whether it's later. God, President Obama, Father, come to know Him. Draw Him to yourself. Whether he's had a private encounter with you or whether it's public, whatever, I don't care. Impact his life with salvation that he would know you. The same thing goes for Donald Trump, Lord. Genuine transformation. A change in his life. The same for Hillary Clinton, God. Whoever it is, whether it be for our governors, whether it be for other areas, every uh, representatives or congressmen, to know that God is moving in their lives. We want God to take them from influence to obedience. From influence to obedience. They've got to go to a place from influence to obedience. Again, it may seem hopeless that this will ever be an option, but who are we to suggest who is and who is not capable of being saved? Again, let me ask you some questions. Are all things still possible through Jesus Christ? Do you believe God spoke through a burning bush, calling a hiding Moses to go back to Egypt? Do you believe God spoke to a scared Gideon while he was hiding from the enemy and threshing some grain? Do you believe that God can still turn the hearts of kings like he did King Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, and Cyrus? Do you believe that it is possible for Jonah to lead a city's leadership and people to Christ? Do you believe all those things? Then why is it so impossible to think that one of our presidential candidates could get saved? Now, I don't. I just said really bad things about Donald Trump. I haven't seen the fruit. My frustration is not with him. It's with all the evangelicals that say, this is a saved man for a vote. Folks, that's all I'm talking about. I can't judge Donald's heart. I hope he does know Christ as his Lord and Savior. I just would love to see some fruit. Amen? I'd love to see it. Did you hear he said something about wanting to do drug tests before the next... Let's not do that. They'd all be disqualified. <laughs> Dear Lord, maybe they need some medication. <laughs> some people will say they cannot vote in this election because both options are godless. Don't avoid stopping. Don't avoid voting and don't stop praying because it is God that directs the hearts of kings. It's God that directs the hearts of kings. Don't allow your opinions, your political loyalties, or anything else stop you from praying for your leadership to know Christ. Can I just say something right here? Don't allow your political convictions to dictate your spiritual actions. Child of God, hear me when I say this. Political convictions are important. We all need to have them. The opinions are there. It's part of being a democracy and a free nation to have those opinions and and to vote according to our opinions. That's fine. But do not allow your political convictions, your political desires to dictate your spiritual activity. 
You say, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm not going to pray for that one because it's a Democrat. I'm not going to pray for that one because it's a Republican. I'm not going to do this because, listen, folks, if, if the throne has established that you need to do something, you better do it. Amen? It cannot be directed. If we are allowing our spiritual activity to be dictated by our political convictions, I question if we even know Christ as our Lord and Savior. And if we do, we need to shut off CNN and we need to shut Fox off and stop. Amen? I know Fox is the only unbiased news source out there. Listen, folks, they're all biased. I would love to find an unbiased news source. When you say Fox is unbiased, it just means that's the one you agree with the most. And if you say CNN is really reporting the real news, it just means you agree with their liberal point of view more than you do the conservative. Listen, folks, it's stupid. Stop it. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let this control you spiritually. Amen? It's all important. But don't let it control you spiritually. Fourthly, I need to hurry. I'm running out of time. That's what happens. I take two weeks off and watch the Colts get beat, and then I'm on vacation the next week. And some of you think I wasn't really sick that first Sunday. I was sick, trust me. Sick watching the Colts get beat. Shivering under the covers. <laughs> then April left and I popped popcorn through so anyway. Fourthly, we need to pray that the Lord would make them successful. We need to pray that the Lord would make them successful. Verse 4, may He give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And this is where it gets really hard. What we need to remember is that this was written toward a God-serving king of Israel. Okay, This was written about David who was serving the Lord, and so they wanted him to succeed. It's a pretty generic prayer. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. What we have to understand, if your pastor is going to say, you need to be praying this for your leaders, I want you to understand something. We're not praying that God would bless and anoint every agenda that goes through their little minds. We have to define what success is. Now, we talked about what success is when it, where, where Paul told Timothy, you pray for your leaders. Why? So you can live a quiet, peaceful, godly, and holy life. Amen? That's success that we're looking for. And here's the thing. This, this, does this succeeding of plans mean we pray that every desire? Absolutely not. This prayer was prayed for a king that knew God. A king is subject to the king of kings. And the only way that a king can rule successfully is to lead according to the king of kings and lord of lords. We already prayed for them to be influenced by God, to have relationship with him. Now we are praying that they would be successful according to the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Why do we pray for our authorities? That we would lead a peaceful, quiet life filled with godliness and holiness. So they would be successful... And we would be blessed for it. No leader ever signs up to fail, folks. Nobody ever signs up to fail. They don't want to go fail. His or her success is a blessing to us when they lead according to God's Word. Listen, you don't want people to fail because when they fail in leadership over you, there is a ripple effect. It will affect you. When they fail, it affects us negatively. You need to pray for a success of your leader. And I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. We need to be praying for the success of our leadership so that we can maintain our faith, we can maintain the, the peace and the holiness and the godliness that has been established in this nation for over 200 years. But if we don't do these things and if we don't repent and we don't turn back, then I get concerned that the Lord is going to bring the judgment upon us that I know we deserve. So when we pray for the success of our leadership, we are actually praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, let them be successful in your will and in your plan. And lastly, verse 5, we need to pray that God would answer their prayers. Verse 5, we will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now somebody might say, I don't want a godless leader having all of his requests granted. Listen, God is not a genie and he's not Santa Claus. God is God. And I don't care who you are in leadership 
there's going to come a moment where you're going to have a request before God. Amen? You and I don't fully grasp the pressure and the stress that they and their families are under. We don't understand it. But I can tell you there's going to come a point that things are going to be hard. It's going to be difficult when every word that you speak is twisted. Everything you do is scrutinized. You can't talk to this person. You can't get a picture taken with that person. You've got to be careful. Uh, All these things, when the pressure gets so heavy, a leader, 100% of the time, if they have an inkling of God at all, will say, Lord, I need your help. And our prayer here is, God answer them. God, speak clearly to them. God, pull back the veil. Let them see you for who you are. Lord, let them hear your voice. Because if they come to God and they have a question and say, Lord, what about gay marriage? Was I right or wrong on that? Lord, answer that question. Lord, I'm struggling with this abortion thing. I know I said this, but, but Lord, am I right or wrong on that? Lord, answer that question. God, I, you know this whole thing about spending and, and paying off our debt and being fiscally responsible? And Lord, I, I've got these things in front of me. What should I do? God, answer the question. Why? Because King of kings and Lord of lords knows all things. He's all-knowing, folks. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's there. He sees it. He understands those documents better than all the lawyers that have written them up and they're this thick and trying to read through all of it. God, that is so small to him. He understands all of it and he can direct a heart of a king when he has a prayer. Amen? So Lord, answer their prayers. Not all of his little agendas or her little agendas. Not all of their, their, their money laundering and their money presents for this and that and all this stuff. God, answer the, the genuine prayer of their heart. Guide and direct them so that they can see the truth. So in closing this morning, put your trust in God by praying for your leaders. Look at verses 6 through 9. It says, Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He answers Him from His holy heaven with the saving power of His right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the King. Answer us when we call. Do you know that the Lord wants to answer you when you call to Him? But as your pastor, I want to encourage you with something. The, The transformation of this nation... Revival in this nation, the things that need to happen in this nation once again, are not going to come by chariots and horses. You say, what do you mean by that? Natural uh, displays of power, natural displays of influence. The the transformation and salvation that can come to this nation again, it's not going to be made great by more money, a better economic system. It's not going to be made great by the chariot of our military, even though we love and appreciate every one of them. It's not going to be made great by the reins of the legislation between the horse and the chariot. It's not, it, all those things are important, but folks, our hope is in the Lord our God. It has to be there. It has to be there. And if we put our hope in other things and we get distressed by other things, which I know it's easy to do, we're not putting our hope really where it belongs. The Lord wants us to have peace at this time. He wants us to be directed. And He's called us to pray for our leaders. So here's how we're going to close our service out today. Lord, save the King. Amen? Whoever that King is, Lord, save our president. Lord, save our future president. Save our future governor. Lord, save our high school board. School board. Lord, save our firemen and our police officers. Save our military men who are serving, men and women who are serving all over the world to keep peace. You see, this... This is where the rubber meets the road. Do you love Jesus? Are you a child of God? And is the Spirit of God within you producing mercy toward others? If so, then this is going to be an enjoyable 10 minutes, 7 minutes. I encourage you and I invite you, if you want to come pray at the altars as we pray through this, I'm going to lead you through it. Go ahead and get up and come join me. If you want to stay in the comfort of your seat, 
I won't judge you for very long. Oh, Father, we just love you today. We're so thankful today for your son, Jesus Christ. God, will you forgive me, forgive all of us, Lord, for past attitudes and prayers that we've prayed, things that we've said that I know don't line up with your word, but line up with our political agendas. God, you've called us to deeper things and greater things than that. Lord, we just simply come to you today and we set aside all of our political preferences and we just want to cry out to you for our leadership. And Lord, we want to pray through this prayer that's laid out here in Psalm 20. And Father, we just want to pray for protection, first of all, over our leaders. God, over President Obama, we just pray, God, that you would hedge him, guard him, Lord, we pray for mercy for him and his family. God, what a they've got a lot of perks and blessings, yes, but God, they are also constantly scrutinized in the public eye. Two young girls have grown up in the White House, Lord, and constant surveillance of security, lives daily threatened, letters being written about kidnappings and death and mutilation. Father, will you just protect this family? Give us mercy towards them, Father. They are flesh and blood. There's, there's breath in their lungs. They are eternal souls who need to know you. God, I just pray for protection over our future president, whoever it may be. Whether it be Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or somebody else, God, I pray your hand of protection upon them. God, again, being scrutinized, pulled apart politically. I, Father, These are living, breathing human beings that I know that you created, designed, and you love them. Lord, for our governor, Mike Pence, who currently is in this race, just protect him and surround him. Hedge him in, Father, him and his family. Let him maintain his integrity. Guard him, Father, from any attacks and threats. Lord, politics can get ugly, and I know you know that because you suffered in a political rant. Lord, we need to also pray for the influence of your Holy Spirit in all of their lives. Father, I pray for President Obama that you would just direct him by your Spirit. God, that you would send a prophet into that cabinet, into that room, into that Oval Office. Lord, I thank you for the years of Billy Graham's service to our nation, of being a voice of reason to presidents. Lord, I pray you would use Franklin or someone else, raise him up, God, to be that continued voice. And allow an open door to be there for our current president and our future presidents to hear truth from your word. Father, place godly men and women around these candidates. Send them prophets, God, to speak truth, I pray. Influence them, God. Influence them in their sleep. Influence them through their dreams, God. Influence them, Lord, through visions, I pray. And Lord, allow them to lead according to your word and according to your will. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, O God. And I pray, Father, that they would know You and that they would worship You. I pray, God, that You would see their sacrifices and their burnt offerings, Father, and whatever inkling there is in their hearts towards You, I pray, God, that You would use that as momentum, drawing them closer to You. Holy Spirit, I know that's Your job. I know that's what You do as You draw men to Christ. And I pray that You would draw President Obama to You. I pray, Father, for a deeper walk if there is one. Deeper walk with you, God. I pray for revelation for him and Michelle and those girls. God, on all levels of leadership, I pray for our Supreme Court, Lord, that you would send prophets and that they would know you. Even those, God, that have been appointed with liberal views that have pursued their own will, that maybe are atheistic in their approaches, I pray, God, for divine revelation and salvation in their lives. That'd mess things up, wouldn't it, Lord? God, I pray on every level for our state, for our county and our city, Lord, that people would come to know you. Pray for salvation, Father, for each one, that they would hear your voice, they would respond, and God, they would receive the help and the hope that they have in you, the work that was done on the cross. And Father, we do lift up as well a prayer that you would make our leadership successful. God, make them successful again. 
Your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done. I pray, God, for our president that he would not be successful in his own agenda, but that he would be successful in yours. And God, that you would place that agenda in his heart. You alone, God, can turn and and direct the hearts of kings. And I pray, Father, you would direct his heart. You would direct Michelle's heart. You would influence them, God, according to your word. On all levels of federal government, God, that you would direct our congressmen and women, God, that you would direct uh, our house uh, representatives, God, you would direct them and guide them, Father. All of the legislative branch, all the executive branch, God, all the judicial branch, Father, that you would move in a mighty way and direct their thoughts and guide them in paths of righteousness and make them successful, that we would have peace, that we would live quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Lord, maintain our right to live out our faith outside of these walls. Maintain, Father, that which was established by godly men that we can worship You and allow our lives to be led by our religious convictions by the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us daily. Make them successful. And Father, lastly, we pray that You would answer their prayers. God, in those high places of leadership, there's moments of brokenness, there's moments of hurt and pain. And Lord, we just lift them up to You today and we, we ask You to answer, your, answer their prayers. God, it may not be the answer they're looking for, but Father, answer truth. I know you will because you are the truth. But God, my prayer is, is that it would be so clear it could not be denied. Speak to our president, Father. Speak to President Obama audibly. Who you are. Just as you spoke to Moses from a burning bush. Speak to him audibly who you are. And answer his prayers. Give Him the opportunity to ask you questions and for you to give Him the truth. I pray the same, Father, for our future president, that they would hear your voice audibly, that it would be easy access for them into your throne to hear truth, to receive it and respond. God, let them be like King Josiah, who lived his life the best that he could until they found the Scriptures and he tore his robes and realize what had been done. Father, I pray that this, this president and future presidents will break down the altars that have been built to gay marriage, break down the altars, Father, to abortion, to other things, God, as well, to greed and, and the desire for money. God, break down the, the altars, Father, that are pushing people toward poverty. God, I pray that you would answer their prayers. Answer their prayers for their families, their fears, their moments of fear, their moments of concern, their moments of doubt, their moments of pain that will drive them to their knees and they cry out to you, Lord, I pray that you would be so clear and so readily available to answer their prayers, Lord, that it would transform their lives and transform this nation. We don't put our hope in chariots, God. We don't put our hope in horses. We don't put our hope in natural policies or things of that nature. But God, we do put our hope in you. And we know that you are able to turn this nation around. You are able to turn leaders. You are able to turn us as individuals, God. Our hope is not just in the leader alone. It's in the entire nation. It's in the church that's in the nation, God, for us to wake up, to turn away from our wicked ways, to turn our hearts towards you, Father, so that you would hear our cry, you would forgive our sins, Lord, and you would heal our land. We come to you knowing that we don't put our hope in other things, but we put our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ today. And we entrust all of it into your hands. Father, in the weeks ahead, when we go to cast our vote, I pray that we would cast according to your spirit, led according to your will and according to your kingdom. Help us not to be put to sleep by political banner. Help us, Father, to not be put to sleep by preferences in reporting. Help us not to be put to sleep, God, by being overly informed. Let us be informed, God, but not be consumed by this. Let us be led by your spirit. Don't let the voices of this culture drown out the still small voice of your your presence in our lives. Father, we entrust all of this into your hands today. And we thank you that you're still on the throne. And we trust you. And we will be peaceful.
and joyful in the midst of all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, over the last couple months, I've been praying over you and speaking over you the, the blessing that Aaron was told to speak over the children of Israel. And the Lord said He would put His name upon them. Let me ask you a question. In that time, was there idol worship in Israel? Were there people who were serving idols and doing their own thing? And yet when they were called to the assembly to worship, and Aaron would say publicly the things that I'm about to say, he would speak it over them and the Lord said, I would put my name on them. It's interesting to me that people who were serving idols would still show up to receive the blessing of God, that God would put His blessing on them. That's hard. But He did it. For a season. Until they hit a point of no return and they refused to repent and God said, okay, now it's time for judgment. God, in that time period, showed mercy to those who didn't deserve to have His name put on Him. And today, I'm encouraging you to pray with mercy towards people who you feel don't deserve your prayers. Why? So that the name of Christ will be put on their lives. They would be protected. They would be influenced. That they would know Him. That they would be successful in His plan and His will, their lives. And that because of that success... He'll answer their prayers, He'll meet their needs, and we will live in a peaceful, quiet, godly, holy life. Stretched you a little bit this morning, didn't I? Would you just lift your hands and receive this today? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. His power and presence be gracious in your life this week. Lord, turn His face towards you and give you peace. Father, we receive that today. We receive that peace in the midst of a political season, Father, that's been pretty ugly. I thank You that we can have peace in the midst of the storm. And we know that You're in control. We thank You, Father, and we praise You. And we receive Your name upon us today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You are officially dismissed. Have a wonderful week.